Coachella's influencer marketing strategy, the 10 best places to work, an introduction to SEO, and three things you can do to optimize your content today. Welcome to Working Girl Talk. Welcome to Working Girl Talk. I'm your host, Abby Zufel. Working Girl Talk is the podcast for women who work. Each episode covers the latest news in social media and business and covers a working girl topic. As a marketing strategist and fellow working girl myself, I aim to educate and inspire you to be the best version of you inside and outside of the workplace. Let's get started. First news of the day. I thought this story was really interesting because unless you've been living under a rock, you know that the Coachella season has come, has taken over, and now it is gone. Fashion, the music, and of course the social media, you've seen it all. And at Forbes this week, they did a great article on the influencer marketing strategy of some of the businesses that had activations there. So I thought it'd be fun to dive through. Just to start it off, Forbes said, with the majority of attendees contributing to the almost billion dollars in economic activity consisting of Gen Z millennials, major brands have the opportunity to build relationships with new audiences that they would not typically interact with otherwise. If you work in marketing or in some sort of business sector where this would apply to you, you know that businesses are always trying to reach out to that younger generation, millennials, and especially Gen Z now that they're up and coming. Brands like Express, BMW, Amex, Create and Cultivate, Rachel Zoe, Levi's, a ton of brands have activations at these festivals, specifically Coachella, as we're talking about here, which is so smart because what Gen Zer is typically thinking about BMW? Not really a whole lot, and, but if they're at Coachella, it'll be on their radar, especially if someday they can afford a BMW or whatever situation they're in. So it's super smart for brands to do this. I think the thing that makes it even more interesting is that you can't just have like a sign in the days of old, like, oh, a little poster on the back of the stage that says Coca-Cola or whatever the brand is. Each brand has an activation or like a pop-up area, whether that's like a little mini conference, like Create and Cultivate or American Express had a little lounge area. BMW actually teamed up with the singer Khalid and did a meet and greet and had a decked out BMW that he stood in front of and the picture is really cool. And so making it more interactive that way and utilizing influencers in that sense, like coming to the activation and taking pictures. So kind of bringing that to life. And Jennifer Say, the chief marketing officer at Levi, Levi Strauss, Levi said, all of this allows us to make an authentic connection to youth culture through influencers organically and authentically speaking on behalf of our brand, which always has a greater impact than paid media. So this just goes to show it's so true. Like the influencer marketing is booming and works a whole lot better than just traditional advertisements, especially for these more traditional brands. Like it's super smart for Levi's and Amex to get in on this because as we're seeing more with this influencer industry booming, that you're more likely to purchase something that like a friend or someone you know recommends rather than an ad you see. But my takeaways are the influencer marketing arena is booming, obviously, and brands have to do a little bit harder to cultivate these relationships. I think influencer marketing is transforming rather than just, hey, we'll send you product posts with it into becoming more of a partnership. Like these influencers at Coachella, you're experiencing the brand all weekend at the event and you're there at the activation. And um, like in Khalid's case, that's more of a celebrity, not a traditional influencer, but same, same, but different. 
Um, but in his case, it was like a meet and greet, but representing BMW and kind of sharing the story and making BMW have a bigger story brand and appeal to that younger audience. So it's really smart, but brands do have to try harder, which I think is a good thing because they're trying to cultivate those real relationships. And I think it goes back to just market research that these Gen Zers and millennials are more careful about what brands they pick. They want to pick brands that align with their beliefs and have a mission. So people really like the cause behind the brand these days. So I think this is a good way to cultivate that relationship. My second takeaway, I looked it up. The hashtag Coachella has been used 4.7 million times on Instagram. That's not even like Twitter, Facebook, any of the other ones, just on Instagram, 4.7 million times. So that's a lot of views. So if you think about the ROI that like Amex is getting, so the setup for this beautiful lounge area at Coachella, um, it's probably a pretty penny to set that up, but the return that they're getting, the exposure is probably... I mean, I don't know their numbers, but I'm sure it outweighs the cost of that. And it's just the best marketing they could do because you're getting people taking pictures with it because it's a beautiful lounge area setup. So it's free marketing that you just had to pay for once instead of a paid ad over and over. Um, And I'm sure as festivals and this genre of marketing keeps rising, more old school brands will be trying to get in on it. And my third takeaway is I think business of all sizes can participate in stuff like this. So, and this is just my personal opinion, and maybe it's because I work in the influencer marketing sector, uh, connecting brands with influencers too. But I think all brands can do this. So even if you're a smaller brand, even at a local level, if you utilize something like this, like as your business, you put on an event and had influencers come and um, try to create some value or a photo shoot or something like, I really think we're stepping away from these like product for post exchanges. I think they still have their place on a smaller level, but the bigger businesses and like the big dollar of companies are um, working more on cultivating these relationships, which I think is smart on any level. Even on the influencer side too, if you're an influencer, try to cultivate a relationship with these brands too, because you don't know what it will lead. And I think on both sides, you can market something bigger, like get a lounge area, create an event, be at an event too. So whether that's the local level or um, national, like these brands, that was just something I thought it it can be done on all levels, um, no matter the size. Okay, second story. Uh, last week, Forbes released a list of the ten, the top 10 places to work. And as the Working Girl Talk podcast, we got to talk about this. Their ranking is divided in a lot of different ways, but throughout the US, so it kind of depends on the number of employees and what they say, and they have different rankings. But I wanted to just go through a few of the top 10 that are notable or that I recognize. So our number 10 spot was Michelin, like the tires. Number six, Google. Five, Garmin, the watch company. Four, Costco, no surprise. Two, Southwest Airlines, and one, Trader Joe's. Oh, so interesting. So reading this list, they all have different criteria of what makes them the best place to work, but a lot looks at what employees say. Like, would they refer it to a friend? That's a lot of how this is based on. Like, would they refer someone else to work there? So I was thinking about it. Like, what really makes a company a great place to work? So then I was just like spiraling and, you know. So uh, LinkedIn actually released some stats this week too, which they came out with like a big PDF study of all these stats they did, which actually aligned with this. So I'm going to read some of them off. So LinkedIn says 64% of millennials say a good job is quote, one they're proud to talk about end quote, underlying that the increased desire for purpose in their workplace, which as I talked about before, actually with the influencer marketing stuff that a lot of millennials, they want to buy from, they want to work for companies that have a bigger purpose, not just making money. So I kind of like that triple bottom line. If you've ever taken a business class, 
class. So 64% of millennials say that that's over half. And I think that makes total sense, especially in this world where we share a lot as millennials and the younger generations, like that key line, one that they're proud to talk about. That makes sense. These millennials, like, like, as I'm sure, right, like you listeners know, like you're out there, you're talking about work, you're posting on social media, like your world is a little more public than it used to be, I think. So I think that's something that makes sense that you want a job that you're proud to talk about. And especially the point on underlying, like people want purpose in their work too. So if your company is doing something you're really proud of, you'd be more likely to want to talk about it. Second stat from LinkedIn that I thought was interesting. 41% of all professionals on LinkedIn say that a good job is quote, one that offers the flexibility of not having to sit at a desk from nine to five by enabling work from home as an option. This is really interesting too, that millennials feel this way. And I've seen it in a lot of startup. This is kind of like, I think it stemmed from startup culture. I'm not sure, but I can, I just know a lot of startups are like this, like that working remote vibe, being able to work from home, having that flexible schedule. Um, So, and that was just on LinkedIn. Obviously LinkedIn's data is from LinkedIn, but there's millions of professionals on LinkedIn. So it's a pretty good source to go to. So 41% of people said that, which I think makes total sense that people want that flexibility. And it kind of goes back to that new changing idea that millennials want um, a little bit more freedom. They don't want that nine to five. And I think it's just that rise of like that entrepreneurial spirit we see coming out that people kind of have their side hustles. They have their projects. They want to have a life outside of that too and be able to travel. That's something that's really important to people. So it makes perfect sense. And I agree that that is a great thing to offer that would be considered a great place to work. So relating it back to you guys. So what is most important to you when you are looking for a job or like evaluating your happiness at work? And I think it really depends on the person. So kind of prioritizing what's most important to you is a great way to do that and evaluate yourself. I do think the two that LinkedIn mentioned are really important. One that you're proud to talk about having that flexibility in a schedule, maybe that you're not sitting at a desk all day, nine to five. And then something I've noticed too, is like the surroundings, like are your coworkers, good people, do you jive with them? I think that's something that can really attribute to workplace happiness. And a last stat from LinkedIn, uh, millennials are two times more likely to change jobs than any other generation, which we've definitely heard this if you've been paying attention to this at all. I think that idea that you have to right out of college, get a job at a company and stay there for the next 30 years until retirement, that idea is slowly kind of fading away with this generation, I think, because people... Okay, this is me going off on a little bit of a tangent, but I think even shows like Shark Tank and um, like Undercover Boss, like those shows, like showing the other side of the workplace and showing entrepreneurs and podcasts like this, podcasts out there, the fact that so many people can have a side hustle while working a real job, blogging, um, being a photographer, like all these things, like people want to try them all and like the barrier to entry is really low. So I think that can attribute to why millennials are more likely to change another generation too. Millennials are two times more likely to change jobs than any other generation. So change is a coming. And I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. So just pretty interesting stuff to know. And if you are trying to figure out what your career path is, um, I, maybe this stat can be kind of helpful to you that you don't have to, you don't have, you don't have to have all the answers right now. You can kind of test things out, try different things. Like there's so many new jobs now. Like if you think about it, like a social media specialist didn't exist 10 years ago, at least the way it does today. So a lot of new opportunities out there for you to try. Um, and then going back to the workplace happiness, evaluating what's important to you, whether that is benefit, 
benefits, vacation days, flexibility, one you're proud to talk about, they have a mission behind. I think those are all good things to use to try to evaluate whether you're in the right workplace or not. Okay, so we're just going to have two stories today because I wanted to dive in to our working girl topic of the day. So I thought it'd be fun to do a little bit of an introduction to SEO and then some tips if you're just starting out, things you can do right away because I don't know where everyone's at with SEO. This is just kind of a general overview and then three tips I think everyone could benefit from. I thought I'd share some tips because especially I'm a blogger and I know a lot of my listeners are bloggers, um, so it might help you like even in that sense like if you just like run a little blog or you have a blog for your business these tips might help you diving into seo first off seo search engine optimization basically it means getting your website your content that lives on your website to show up in a google search so most likely when you're typing in a query into google you're probably going to look at like the first three pages maybe first page is really like pick of the litter that's prime real estate but after that you probably aren't scrolling like all the way down to like the 10th page of results. So people want to optimize their website, optimize their content. So they show up in the first page of results. To start off with SEO, I think it's really important to learn how the internet works. For example, did you guys know that the internet travels around through little wires, like hair-like tiny wires across the ocean floor? Like what? Isn't that crazy? I just learned that like a year ago and I was my mind was blown. Um, you don't have to get that big into it, even though that is true. If you're curious, Google undersea internet cables and it'll blow your mind. Um, But we do want to know how a search works. Just in general, the web is essentially a collection of pages and files which are interlinked by a complex set of hyperlinks. So just a ton of pages all over the internet. And if you type in a query into Google in a matter of milliseconds, Google's algorithm scans all of its index pages it has in Google, which is like millions. So millions of website pages, content. It scans all of them using a Google algorithm for content related to that query searched. And then it will pick the most related content to that query. How does Google decide what to show you? There is a great video about this and I suggest everyone go watch it. It's called How Search Works and it's literally by Google and it's three minutes, definitely worth the three minutes. It's super easy, it explains it all. So once you type in a search query, Google sends out, it calls it spiders in the video. I know that's might be an old school term, but I think it makes sense. So it sends out all these spiders to scan all these index pages, finds what's relevant to your search. So Google's algorithm considers page rank. So each website page, they have a ranking for and of like how important it is. If it's more important, it's being linked to by other websites. So if your page, like say you have a page on your website, it's a blog and Forbes links to it. That's a valuable link to have because they're such like an esteemed website. So that's an important website. So that adds value to your page when Google is looking at page ranking. Um, page quality, is it set up correctly? There's a lot of technical things when it comes to SEO. Um, And it'll also look at the content itself. Google's algorithm is very advanced. It'll look at the content, how many times does that keyword relating to the search query appear on your website. If it doesn't, yours probably won't show up for that search query. In short, Google crawls, indexes, and ranks, and then that's how search comes to be. (laughs) Um, And I definitely recommend uh, Google's How Search Works video. Just Google that and that will help you out a ton just because I know when somebody's talking about this, it's a little hard to visualize. So now we know a little bit more about how search works. So I'm going to share three things you can do right now to optimize your content, which 
just a disclaimer before this, there is a ton, like I don't want all the SEO people to come after me. There is so much you can do to optimize your content, especially on the website level, on the content level. But I just thought these three are really helpful tips for kind of the general audience. So anyone, whether you're a beginner or somebody who's been blogging or creating content for a while. So first one, keywords. Starting off, you need to have a main keyword for any piece of content. Every page you need to have a keyword, especially if it's a blog. If you don't have a keyword, that is mentioned multiple times or like set up correctly, when Google indexes your page, it won't show up for that keyword. So I'm gonna give you an example because I keep throwing out search query and index. So I'm gonna give you an example. So if you type in, I'll just use Google's example because it's a really good one, cheetah running speed. You'll see this in the video when you watch it, cheetah running speed. And I have a web page on my blog about cheetah running times. It depends on how many times that keyword is shown because say I do have a web page called cheetah's running speed. If I only have that keyword once, Google might not be able to find me. So keywords are super important. You wanna have that multiple times throughout your con- your blog content, your page content for it to show up. It signals to Google that your page is about that topic, which makes sense because the more you have that word, the more Google recognizes that, oh, it's about cheetah running speed. So keywords can be a little confusing. I hopefully that helped, but the best way, guys, this is the golden piece of advice right here. The easiest way to like track like on a content page because it's a little hard, like, oh, how many times should I put it? Install an SEO plugin on your website. Like write that on a note right now and do it today if you don't have one. Install an SEO plugin on your website. I highly recommend Yoast, Y-O-A-S-T. That's the one I use on my blog and a lot of agencies use it for clients just because it's so easy. It's like a little, it just pops up once you install it as a little checkbox at the bottom of your blog page. So if you're on the back end, like writing a blog, you're about to publish, you just scroll to the bottom, type in your main keyword, like the focus keyword, and then it will show you, you have not used your keyword enough, like add it this many times. So it's just a nice checklist. Um, but the really helpful thing about Yoast too is that it helps with the technical side a little bit. So it'll tell you if your image on the page doesn't have alt text, which is really important. It'll tell you if your meta description for that page doesn't have enough, which if these words don't make sense, it will make sense. Just install Yoast and then like mess around with it from there and those keywords will make sense. Final note on keywords before we move on. Just a warning, Google is very smart. You can't just throw a bunch of keywords like in a sentence. So writing like cheetah running speed 50 times on a page and expect it to show up in Google or rank. That's not how it works. Google is really smart. If Google can kind of tell how your content's written and you can tell like your voice and for mistakes, it can tell that's spam. Also a bad thing to do. I've seen people do this and it's not good um, is taking that keyword because you need it more times and just turning the color white of it and that's not good so don't do that which like, a lot of people like aren't doing that with bad intentions they just don't know that that's bad but that's bad so don't make google not like you um yeah so just stick with what yoast tells you like create that or that checklist and if anyone has any other seo plugins that they like let me know tip number two that you can do today 
make sure your website has an SSL certificate. So if you've ever been on Chrome and you go to a website that has HTTP colon slash slash www, like the whole URL situation, if it just says HTTP, chances are that little the warning that says that site's not secure will pop up. So Google looks at that too. It wants to make sure you're going to a secure site and that it's showing secure sites. So installing an SSL certificate changes your URL to be HTTPS. So you want that S there to be a secure website. There's a reason that Google pops up that Chrome notification, not secure. Like if they don't think it's secure, why would they show it to you in search? Which just from a website standpoint, you want to make sure your, your website is secure. So to install an SSL certificate, you just go into your control panel of your website, typically on your host, and you can just Google how to install SSL certificate with your host name and it'll lead you there. That's how I did it on mine and it's not too bad, but just make sure you do that because it's a simple trick and it's pretty painless, but it makes a huge difference because you want a secure website. Tip number three that you can do today, install Google Analytics on your website and install Search Console. So Google Analytics, if you don't already have it installed on your website, highly recommend it. It's Google's platform that can show you all the data for your website. So give me all the data. I want all the data. So you can see website visitors, page views, what pages people are landing on, how long they're spending on your website. And you can even see the funnels they came through to get to your website, whether that be social media or direct like SEO, you can see it all. And it's just a really good resource to have. So you can see if nobody's coming through your site through direct, like SEO or through search, you can kind of get an idea that maybe you need to optimize a little better. And it's also really good to just on the content side to see what content's performing well that people are going to. And on that note, you need to install Google Search Console. I feel like this is the forgotten one that people forget about. Google Search Console is the other platform that Google has where you can submit sitemaps and individual URLs for crawling. It allows you to review your index coverage to make sure that Google has like the freshest, latest view of your website. Also shows you what people searched for for your website to show up, which is really helpful. And a trick on that, if you look at the search queries that made your website pop up in their search, if there's something in there that is close to something you have, but it's a little different, that could be a good content idea for you. Because if you're already showing up for you might as well create a piece of content around it. Google Search Console also shows crawl errors and allows you to be indexed, as I said, which you want to be indexed within Google or else your website will never pop up in a Google search. So definitely recommend Search Console. I hope those three tips helped. Um, I'm just going to run through them all really quick. So one, keywords, download a SEO plugin. That's my biggest recommendation. It'll really help you when you're formulating blog content or any content on a website to make sure that page is optimized. Install an SSL certificate through the control panel, Google it. You want your website to be secure and Google does too. And then install Google Analytics and Google Search Console. And I know that's a really brief run through. I hope it helped someone out there. Uh, There's just a lot to do with this topic. And like literally I could go on for days about how you can optimize things. But I think that those three things are something anyone can do. You can do it right now, um, do it today. And they're really simple. 
level. For those of you that want to dive deeper into SEO, the distilled you, so D-I-S-T-I-L-L-E-D, distilled you course, just type that in SEO, distilled you. Their course is actually pretty good. It's really, it's pretty like basic, but for someone who's just beginning, I think it's a good refresher of how the internet works, how search works, how Google works, and SEO. It's a really, it's just comprehensive. And I just tried out the free demo, which is pretty sufficient to get a good understanding. So I really like that one. And then if you want to dive more into this, I would recommend looking at Google Analytics certification. So Google has their own academy of different certifications you can get in different courses, which it's free. I believe at least when I was doing it, it was free. And they're just really helpful because the more you can learn about how Google Analytics works, the more you can know how Google Search Console works. And it's just, it all relates. So I think that's a really good one to start off too. And then lastly, if you want to learn more about this, I would find a mentor. I think people are more helpful or willing to help than you'd expect. And that's how I learned a lot about SEO was just learning from the people at work and um, kind of being thrown into it, like just thrown right into the fire, like start doing SEO. So finding a mentor, someone that's knowledgeable about it and just like asking them specific questions on what you want to know um, is really helpful. And lastly, before we sign off, I'm going to share my Friday favorite. So this week it is Idle Wild Co. I think that's how you pronounce it. A little backstory. Last week, my coworkers and I were walking around on our lunch break and stumbled upon the cutest store and the cutest phone case just fell into my life. And it's so cute. It has cactus. It's bright pink. And it's by a company called Idle Wild Co. And I looked them up after and they have cute desk accessories, home accessories, shirts, pens, planners. So if you're like me and love a good planner, notebook that's cute and inspirational, definitely check them out. Thank you so much for listening to Working Girl Talk today. Make sure to give us a follow on social media at Working Girl Talk. Some good content is coming soon. Have an amazing Friday.